You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN GameScoop. I'm your host, Damon Hadfield. Joining me this week is Justin Davis, Scoop. Sam Claiborne, hey. and Tina Amini. What's up? And we have a great show for you this week. We're going to talk about a list of the most important games of the 2010s. Uh, we are going to flip through the 1990 video game Buyer's Guide, mm-hmm. which I'm super excited for. That sounds for. really fun. Where is it? It's behind me. Oh, I see. <laughs> but first. No spoilers. We can finally, 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 finally talk a little bit about Death Stranding, I believe. Or a yes. lot about. No, a lot uh, about. Can we only talk about three hours? No, it's no. like 20 hours. Oh, okay. Well, okay. It took I, me yeah. 40 hours to get to the embargo point. Okay. No. I was messing around. It was like 20 hours. But isn't this show, okay. this show's going up? Well, okay, whatever. I, you guys have already worked this out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, here's the thing. We're not allowed to t- talk about Death Stranding until next year. You got it. <laughs> 2020. So 2020. We signed yeah. an intense embargo. Yeah. There was a very, uh, yeah. I love like it. A multi-tiered embargo <laughs> to Death Stranding. Uh, we, got, we, were, we were lucky enough to get a bunch of early copies, and a lot of us uh, spent a lot of time with it. Sam has been playing it pretty much nonstop every day, it seems So like. it turns out that if somebody is your friend on a PlayStation Network, uh, they can see everything you play all the it time. It turns out. Who it knew? It turns out <laughs> good friends can watch each other play games all the time. So every morning I come in and Damon says, you've been playing a lot of Death Stranding. Yeah. Uh, you were supposed to private way? your settings, man. Yeah. I did private my settings. That's why I'm so confused. You can't turn me off. That's why I'm so confused. <laughs> Damon has birds everywhere. And then I, I look birds. at what my friends are all playing, who I know so what they were the all scoops. playing, and I can't see anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I locked I mine down it. when I was playing a top secret game last year, and then yeah. I just never bothered I just never turned it, it on, on again, yeah. 
So do you guys want to hear about Death Stranding? Yeah. Yes. I want to hear about Death Stranding. Uh, of course, everyone uh, has probably already seen IGN's review. We have a 6.8, right? Yes. 6.8? Yes. Uh, okay. Reviewed by, yeah, an okay game reviewed by Tristan down in our uh, Australian office. But it's divisive. Um, it is divisive. Uh, a lot of people in the office sort of agreed with that and were a little bit down on it. But Sam, I think you love it. And I'm really up on it. Yeah. Uh, myself and a few others. And I really like... Um, I don't like Hideo Kojima games as a blanket statement. I just want to point that out. Like, mm. I'm not like a Kojima fan. I think all the Metal Gears were bad until five. Until um, five. <clears throat> but I like five was great. Fighting yeah, words. I, I think so. For some people. I think everybody reversed course on like everything mm. now. I don't know what people like anymore. See, but I like the older ones and not five. Yeah, that's true. The people, mm. I do hear that You're a lot. just saying that. No. <laughs> that's, that's a common thing now. Um, but yeah, I just like everything that I've played so far. And, and I really like specifically that there's um, uh, this progression of uh, carrying, which everybody's complaining about. And then mm. you do a lot of driving and then you do a lot of building. And the building stuff I really, really like in this game. I think you mm. just want a Lego game. I, oh God. Do you, the what? thing about Lego games is you but just But you have to carry the Lego box. That, yeah, that's what it is. You have to carry the Lego box to your destination. Then only do you get to build Can you imagine things. the sorting your, uh, your, uh, yeah. your situation where it's, it's like just you're carrying like 6,000 pieces and then it like sorts them all again. <laughs> um, I can't wait for everybody to play this game because I want to know what the world thinks even more than what you all have thought for mm. the past couple weeks. It's been really fun to talk about this game in the office. Mm. Yeah, it is really divisive. I think I like it a little bit less than Sam um, because I get annoyed by mechanics that waste my time. Hmm. Uh, because if you, you'll be walking on a journey with however many pieces of cargo for not exaggerating 15 minutes at least of your time. And then you trip in a river and you lose all your cargo and you're f like flailing around in the river trying to get your bearings back. Build a, just build a bridge over there. Someone didn't dress you like could. a cute otter. Yeah, but this was before I got the otter hood. I know. So <laughs> this was before I met Conan. Um, it's like a knighthood. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's, it's a really terrible hood, too. I but feel that's, goofy that's a in sense it. of progression, right? The stuff that used to be yeah. a major obstacle yeah, and problem in the way then becomes trivial. But honestly, and easy. even the otter hood doesn't do much. It just lets you float, it doesn't let you really. Like get yourself up any faster and pick up your cargo. It's utterly ineffective. <laughs> yeah, exactly. wow. yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't played yet. What? I've, That's not an old joke to you guys. Well, wait, hold on. The, to finish my story about? before yeah. you go, yeah. um, I all, I lost all my cargo, so 15 minutes of my time yeah. is just like completely like spent, and uh. that's it. So if you like like the Souls games, if you like a lot of difficulty, I've oh, been jokingly calling like this uh, the the Souls of walking simulators in terms of <laughs> of it just being like really brutally unforgiving. Hmm. I, uh, as I've stated before, I don't play anything but Apple Arcade games. Yep. So I'm not playing Death Stranding yet. But mm -hmm. what I've read about it... Because it's not on Apple Arcade quite yet. <laughs> not yet. The stuff what that if it was? The stuff that other people don't like about it actually makes me intrigued. It makes me want to play it. I like that... Uh, like, I love the Uncharted games, but something I don't like is that there's nothing to the climbing. You just hold a button and climb, mm -hmm. right? Like, mm -hmm. you can't fail it. You can't lose. It's just, it's just wasting time. And this game made walking a game mechanic and balancing. Yeah. And like, that's so like interesting to me that like, you know, you have to sort of pull these triggers and yeah, like, but disagree. You just hold the triggers the whole time. If you tape them down, it would be the same experience. <laughs> but you're also like, you know, you feel the weight of the stuff on his back and like, you'll fall over. Like as long know? as long as you like let go of the triggers. Well, oh yeah. But the again, just tape them down and you're the fine. The caveat yeah, of like, I haven't played it. So maybe I'll yeah, play yeah, it. I'll yeah, be like, this yeah, is horrible. Exactly. But yeah. like, 
learning that that was like, oh, like, you know, balance and walking is a game mechanic. I'm like, oh, that's really like, I can't believe, it, you know, more games haven't tried that. I saw someone on Reddit say like, but, you know, I get the realism aspect because Red Dead, there's a lot of Red Dead comparisons mm-hmm. where it's all this two. kind of, yes, Red Dead 2 comparisons where there's all this like mundane activity, but it's supposed to add to the realism. And somebody on Reddit was like, well, but wouldn't you just like put your foot over the rock? Like, why do you have to figure out how to effectively trip on a rock? That's not really realistic. Well, if you well, hold the triggers, then you never trip. Exactly. Tape the them down. That, I want to explain that mechanic. The, the reason that that's happening is that when you hold both triggers, you just like drive down your stamina. So like you can just do that. And if you have enough stamina, really. monster energy drink, then you're going to yeah. be fine. I literally, I play with, with two fingers held down on the, shul- on the um, trigger buttons and so that I can free up my other hands and my other fingers. And I literally just hold it all together and I never really run out of stamina. Yeah, you don't have to. And so I was going to say also that the um, online stuff in this game is really cool. That's and I the had, cool stuff. I had online turned off a little bit and I didn't realize it. And I came online. Well, basically, I didn't know what was going on. And the game got harder and harder and harder. And there's a lot of stealth stuff mixed with combat and not just walking and, and getting to new locations. Um, and, and that kept on happening. And then I realized I was offline. So I turned online. And the, the structures that people had built are like so cool and sourced from out there in the ether. And there'll be like a safe house you can rest at and, you know, a really helpful like series of ladders or bridges or whatever just pop in. And uh, it doesn't break the game. It doesn't make it too easy. It makes it balanced. And I don't know how they hit that balance. It's so cool. It's also kind of cute because it connects to the storyline in terms of like you're connecting this chiral network to a bunch of people who are effectively like um, stranded in these uh, in other areas on the uh, in the United States. So you connecting them is is kind of like you connecting with other players who are placing yeah. these ladders and bridges and stuff. And you can collaborate and build roads. And once you get that, it becomes a lot easier or not easier, but I don't know, less like less grueling. Well, as I said, you start driving. So one thing, like if you are having, you don't like walking anymore with a bunch of things <laughs> on your back. As soon as you get on a, on a trike or a, get in a, any other vehicle, like you don't have to worry about that. You you just drive and your stuff is just loaded on that, and you don't have to worry about balance. But those things have to get over obstacles. They have to get up like crazy inclines or whatever. It feels like that really funny thing in Skyrim where you can use a horse to get up anything, and it feels a little bit broken and a little bit janky, but it's a struggle and it's fun. Or it's like getting a ghost through any door in Halo. Yeah, but you can't really. You know? There, yeah, you get it a lot more stuff. stuck. You can't yeah, like the really terrain stuck. is definitely again working against you. But I like that that kind of like play it until you break it. Like it allows you to do that. It's an open world, and you can just do whatever to get wherever. You can try it. You know, just try it. So when you're when you're doing all that though, uh, eventually you can spend like a tremendous amount of resources to kind of pave a road. So then it's really easy to drive to some areas. But that's crowdsourced, and everybody's contributing. And I spent all week just building and building and building like this is way early in the game you can do this and I got there first so every time someone drives on those roads I get like all these likes and I have, <laughs> and then that builds my stamina Fake internet up, points which is really good so like there's all kinds of just like weird online stuff that I just it's not like any other game last sure. we checked because the game hadn't been out in the wild yet Sam had the most likes I of did. all wow. the players out of anything that we could see wow, wow. like That's in amazing. the millions congrats millions of likes popular. millions of likes yeah. but the numbers we were saying before yeah. there clearly yeah. weren't millions people of people playing. playing the game so we don't, yeah. we don't exactly it's like every time works. you run over it and then anytime somebody contributes to it yeah. you get likes and sometimes there are, it's not just one like per activity see that's I'm so fascinated by this game and that's why I can't wait to play it is because I really really hate games that don't respect the player's time and that you know that's kind of why I don't like the Souls games and Bloodborne is mm-hmm. not because of the difficulty but because of you know, losing items that you then have to grind back up. Mm-hmm. But I really, really like games that do interesting things with co-op and having people work together and, um, 
asynchronous multiplayer and going way back to a game like uh, Infinity Blade where uh, a boss would have like a billion health and then you would damage it for like 10,000 mm. and then players all around the world had to work together to kill the boss. And like, to me, that was like the most fascinating yeah. thing. Similar. And Death Stranding is like a triple A version of that. So mm. it's like, I don't know, like I'm really curious to see what I think. That part of the game is really, really significant and cool. There's this one little moment where occasionally I'll be like hiking up a mountain and I'll see somebody abandon their trike, like figuring mm. they couldn't get to their destination. But I pick their trike up and all of a sudden, like my my quest feels so different because I hadn't initiated the quest with a trike for whatever reason I was at. Maybe I was at an NPC who couldn't generate a trike or whatever else. Mm. I didn't have the resources. So finding it, discovering it, and then that changing my entire gameplay experience is really interesting and like feels like a different moment every time. And you don't really know what to anticipate because of that like player co-op experience. Mm-hmm. The dark soulsiness is really uh, similar. Uh, there's one aspect that's really similar to this game that they, it's all, it comes back to Castlevania. So if you think of Symphony of the Night as the prototype, uh, I'll explain what I'm talking about. Uh, in those games, you have a giant open world basically in 2D, and this game you have in 3D. And what you're doing is you're getting deeper and deeper into that world. And every time you get to a, a new place, it's a checkpoint that's safe and you're okay. Mm. But you don't really know how to get there, and you have all of these options you can use to get there, and you don't know when that checkpoint's going to kind of show up. So you kind of just are just exploring with what you bring with you at great risk. Mm. And so, and then w- what you're trying to do is find the next safe place to be. And like that's, I love games like that because mm-hmm. you, you can like run straight to a waypoint, or you can like say like that's probably going to lead me through a bunch of traps. And so you can go way out and around it and try to find a really easy way. And this game just lets you do all of that. And then it's just about going from fire to fire or safe house to safe house or church room or church room. They're further (laughs) apart. Like if you do, if you are online and you're connected, you might find little safe houses or little shelters that other players have built. But ultimately, like occasionally you'll be coincidentally run into an area where there's a lot of time fall, which is basically just rain and it makes your your skin and your equipment deteriorate. So you might have an, an object that you need to deliver because it's just effectively a series of fetch quests. So you're delivering this thing and it's in a container and then you go through timefall and timefall like damages a little bit. You can sustain some, but then you go and you trip and you go into the wrong direction because you're going for a safer area. That doesn't work out. You go somewhere else, there's more timefall and then all of a sudden your container is destroyed and you're like, well, it's a good thing I have this container spray. Let me repair it. So it's just all this little incremental stuff and if you don't like it, that could easily be annoying. So I played a few hours of Death Stranding, three or four hours, and I didn't hate it, but I didn't really know what to make of it because the first hours of that game are just a lot of really long and weird cutscenes. Yeah, see, and in between them, you might have to go on a walk, but then you're in another <laughs> long cutscene. So it's just like you know, I've said many times on the show, like what I like about video games is figuring out uh, its systems and then like settling into its gameplay loop. Yeah. And I never got a chance to do that in Death Stranding in my time because then I got uh, I got Outer Worlds and I decided to try that. <laughs> and Outer Worlds is just a fun video game. Like right off the bat, yeah. you're off and you know exploring and talking to people and taking on quests and getting into combat, and it was great. So it's like I played through all of Outer Worlds and finished it. And now I don't know. I'm not like super. I don't feel like a, a I big built all the urge. Roads, though. You're gonna be fine. I don't feel a big it's urge true. to return you to can Death just drive Stranding. Drive through the game now. Yeah, it's I don't true. Know. Um, Sam built all the roads. Yeah, they're all done. Um, so <laughs> when you uh, when you describe what you're describing, it's one of my least favorite things in any game. Uh, but I will plug one thing in Death Stranding is that it's a such a unique, creative, just built from the ground up universe that doesn't is, rely on fantasy tropes or sci-fi tropes or anything. Yeah, that like I do appreciate the exposition at the start. Uh, just personally, I liked it. And I know I hate stuff like that. So I'm really surprised I'm saying that. But I actually just liked watching this universe develop because it was usually funny and creepy and weird. 
So we ran an article um, today, which might be yesterday, depending on when you're listening, uh, but about like a PSA, you know, it takes a minute to get into this game, roughly about 10 hours before you start getting through some of the more tutorial levels and cutscenes. So I think that's really telling about the experience. And if, if you're not willing to invest that time to see what will hopefully be a payoff with story and some of that gameplay loop as it finally exposes itself to you, like that is this kind of game. It is a slow intro and sort of inherently because it is such an interesting specific universe where they do need to explain all of this terminology and who these characters are and there are clearly tensions between certain characters so you're trying to uh, dive into that but it really is just like an exposition dump Mm -hmm. and then you get to get into it it's like the beginning of dune have you guys ever seen Dune, the movie? I've, I saw when like, I was a kid. I watched some of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, that's the same. It didn't make thing. any like, sense to me. Once you get it's through like... it, it's interesting. But there's 30 minutes of like tapestries and backstory and stuff. It's just it's 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 not done well. And yeah. and this game, I don't think, I don't think it's it's acted well. First of all, the acting yeah. and dialogue is is really great. But like a lot of it is like the Kojima stuff, which is like here's a bunch of terms. Here's a term that's used over and over again for five different purposes, and it's supposed to be clever. Like strand is used in so many different ways, and it's not BBs clever. and BTs and timefall. Mm-hmm. And so like the, the, mules. that stuff is like I'm not lauding that stuff. I'm just lauding the creation of a unique universe, which mm-hmm. I always like. Do sure. that. Do that instead of copying Tolkien, please. Yeah, I think Kojima stories are nonsense. That's why I didn't like Metal Gear Solid Five. Well, this one's pretty nonsense too. And so that's, that's my concern about it. I would back it. up and say that the story I don't care about in this, but the universe yeah. and the characters are interesting, and, the, and just like the kind of the the universe, the world building. It's really yeah, cool. sure. Well, uh, by the time uh, this episode is out there, Death Stranding should finally be arriving uh, into uh, the hands of gamers out there. So we'll be very interested to hear what you guys think about Death Stranding, our listeners and viewers. I have a final question yeah. about this game. Okay, is this a spooky game? I mean, it's kind of has spooky aspects to it. It has spooky aspects. The BTs can be spooky. All right, yeah. we're going to hold you to that. Okay. So this is going to, in three years. Yep. Oh, man. Three years. <laughs> yeah, is this a horror game? Yeah. <laughs> uh, is, it, is it a spooky game? Yeah. 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 But also, that's another discussion. Is it a horror game? Mm. It's got um, goopy monsters, right? Yeah. Goopy monsters. I, I mean, that that's really judgmental of them, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get that one. They're just out here. Uh, yeah, we will be uh, interested in hearing uh, what you guys out there think about Death Stranding. And uh, this is a good point to remind you that we have a GameScoop fan group on Facebook. Uh, if you aren't a member of that, go ahead and join up. And that's a great place to talk about all the games you're playing. As I mentioned, I beat Outer Worlds this week. I also beat Goose Game. Nice. That's, and that's a really cute You just game. beat that yesterday. Two days ago I did, yeah. That was really, that's a really cute little game. I don't know. Do you guys, I know you've I've played it, but did you guys finish it? No. Not yet. It's really short. It's totally yep. like easy to. Like what, two I'm hours? Absolutely planning on finishing yeah. it. Yeah. Because yep. it's funny. I, so I, I don't, you know, I play a lot of games. The number of games I beat is much smaller, but like yeah. I beat Goose Game and then on my Switch, you know, you can rank games by total time played. And even though I beat it, it's like way at the bottom of my list of mm-hmm. like total time played. Yeah. So this is a very short game. Uh, I think that's a little bit of a, a weird flex to say how fast you beat, <laughs> beat Goose Game. No, no, it's not how fast short. I beat it. It's a short game. But okay. But okay. Apology accepted. <laughs> no, it's not a weird flex, but okay, it works. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. As the uh, 2010s come to a close, a lot of, uh, a lot of outlets are going to be putting together all sorts of best of lists and uh, look backs across the decade. I know IGN will have a lot of stuff planned. Uh, our friends over at the AV Club put together a list this week on the 2010s most important games. Most important. Not best. Yep. Not best games. The most important games of the 2010s. And they picked one game from each year. And now That's a we, fun will, way to do it. we will judge them. <laughs> now we will judge their list. Uh, there's some uh, smart and interesting picks on here. So for 2010, 
They picked Minecraft, which I think is pretty hard to argue against. Yeah. It, well, the weird thing is, like, when did that game come out? You know, like, I think 2011 is when it was like. Is that true? Well, it wasn't officially like it just finished and out. 2010 to us sounds early, I think. Mm. But well, like, actually, in the article, they say it was 2009 where it had, had first launched, okay. but then 2010 when it had kind of picked that, up that, and then mm. sort of been like its purest form before, mm. you know, 2011 taking think, it to a new direction. Yeah. 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 So they actually made like everything. In that's it. why they picked that year specifically. <clears throat> that makes that's sense. interesting. 2010 when I played Minecraft. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. Minecraft's amazing, right? Like, well, yeah, what, what a incredible phenomenon it's become to like, you know, young, young people. And like mm-hmm. every, every kid has played Minecraft since then, right? Like what kid hasn't played Minecraft and sold, it's like this up there with Tetris for selling. I think it's know, over. I think it's the best selling game ever. Like, like it's just been so ubiquitous and mm-hmm. it has like educational uh, properties. And then it sort of helps the whole idea of game streaming, when it was in its infancy. That's true too. Yeah, that was the yeah. first game I streamed. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So it's like, so okay, we'll give them that one. We'll that give them good. that one. There were some good notables in, in that year though. Yeah, well, 2010, what were they? I don't, I don't, I don't um, know. I think they mentioned the Kinect, which I know, you know, has a bad mm. reputation because, I mean, it was a failure, but there were so many like third party applications too that I thought made it really um, significant. That's true. Um, in other industries. It, yeah, at the time, like just exactly. Go ahead. Like exactly. in science and medicine and mm-hmm. robotics and like tons of ed- story education. Story. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So people did some really interesting things with it. Red Dead 1 came out in 2010. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Also, Super Meat Boy. Well, okay. I, I mean, know. come on. I mean, that, like, so I like that well, game. Yeah. But I don't know if it's an important. I'll argue for that. The importance of that was that it was in a movie about indie games, and indie games mm. were not a topic in 2010 that everybody talked That's about. Yeah, it like ushered in this sort of like appreciation for indie culture in a, in a new way that yeah. now we kind of like take for granted almost. 100%. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that game, like... Uh, I think it was already there. I think in the indie culture was already established by the time Meat Boy I think it helped. I mean, Meat Boy, it was like Braid was before that, and that was kind of yeah. like, there was the Summer of it Arcade. Helped, yeah. Castle Summer Crashers. Arcade had, like, yeah. But yeah, some of I those, think yeah, Meat Boy was one of a number of games that sort of helped usher in yeah. the age of the indie game. Yep. Uh, so for 2011, they picked Dark Souls, mm. which is also probably a safe choice, because now that's like, it's a whole... There's a, Souls-like, it's its own genre now of games. Sure. It's a fair point. Yeah, I mean, you know, Skyrim came out that year. Yeah. Uh, which probably which had, that's also, you know, yeah. is available on every platform imaginable. Yeah. But Still talked about Skyrim today. likes. Yeah. 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 In terms of like importance, so yeah, I'd probably give the edge to Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. For 2012, they picked Telltale's The Walking Dead. I think that's which, a good yeah, choice. I think that's also a good choice. I wish that it had been a big influence on how games tell stories now and what we're doing with them, but you know, they kind of evaporated. You yeah. just played Florence, and I was saying like that's my yeah. logical, huh. like you know, that's where Telltale. I think I would have loved it to go. Mm. It's just a much better playing of a story. I mean, it inspired a lot of like more heavily narrative based stories, um, but also it was such a major topic of conversation and not really like what you would think of for like AAA gaming to win lots of game of the years. And it won tons. Um, yeah. I think yeah. that year and in particular. almost based on here. a license, which is super weird yeah. Yeah. for a high that's quality also game like, and, and in all yeah. of history. But it was the right license at the right time. Like that oh was like God, peak yeah. Walking right. Dead, right? Yeah. But they also made it their own. They didn't just like you know yeah. do some kind of yeah. spinoff, mm-hmm. cheap version. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's sort of like you know Telltale itself blew up, and even the point and click yeah. adventure game you know was back for a hot second. But I don't think it is back anymore in 2019. No. But like you know you have stuff like what's the hell game After Party? Is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah. Um, you know After Party and Firewatch and a lot of games probably owe maybe not their entire existence, but would you know they'd be. Uh, it'd be a lot more challenging for them to exist if not for The Walking Dead paving the way. Yeah, I had some notable mentions. Notable mentions. I don't have notable mentions. I just wanted to also say it had really good 
good writing and good acting. Yeah. Again, like really game, do. that's yeah. still extremely rare. Mm-hmm. It's, but in, it's really incredible. Also incredibly emotionally evocative, which is really difficult to do on that level. What are Tina's notables? Um, so AV Club was doing notables, but I wanted to mention a couple too, like Mass Effect 3 sort of was such a different oh, yeah. like direction well, for that series. You're right. No, such also, a divisive it's a ending. It could be thing. an yeah. important game for maybe like reasons that are bad for yes. the developer because yeah. The fans like got them yeah. to change the ending of the game. Yeah, That's a huge right? deal. That's the first time. <laughs> so I crazy. I don't know if it's literally the first time ever, but it's the first example I can think of a fan backlash actually affecting yeah, like what, an outcome. Like, can you imagine if Radiohead put out a yeah. new album and fan, we hate the final song? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we'll record a new final song for the album. And then like, EA became voted the worst company on earth. Yeah, yeah EA. Well, that well, happens. I don't know anyway. if that was the first time. Yeah, I mean, that there, happens every year. There's that fra- was the start. That's why EA oh, got really? hated. There's <laughs> fracking happening all over the place and like, you know, all kinds of bad stuff in the world, but sure, EA. EA, they, yeah. made, a, they made a video <laughs> right? game where they botched the ending. There's still Philip Morris at that time. Yeah. Also, Journey. <laughs> Journey yeah. came out that year. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. our game of the year. I mean, it, yeah, yeah, it did such interesting new things and like we still talk about it in a comparative way when we talk about like socializing and games and co-op moments. I think that did something important. Both for that and Dark Souls have that kind of shadow appearing in your game that we were just talking about Death Stranding. Yeah. Like that's exactly what it was, the passive multiplayer. And experience. it was such a pure, like very positive multiplayer experience and very rare that a game can assure that kind of level of, of um, you know, compatibility between players instead of just people trolling each other, trash talking, whatever else. Yeah. So I- short. Yeah. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> Cause I didn't, I didn't play journey in 2012. I played it later when it came to PS plus and I was like, huh? this is journey. I know. Well, eh? did you, did you meet people that might've really impacted your experience? I didn't do anything in that game. Well, then- uh, <laughs> oh, Damon, man. let's, uh, 2013, they picked an odd choice. They okay. picked Bioshock infinite. And that was the year that grand theft auto five came out. Mm. A game that's still a top 10 bestseller every month today. Well, the craziest thing is they didn't even mention it in their notable mentions. Like at the very least, get a runner up in there. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. Bioshock Infinite. Like I, you know, I like it as a video game. I played through the whole thing. Great music. But, uh, you know, it's message. It couldn't possibly beat you over the head any more with it. Heavy handed. And And also I think like the onboarding of that game, like the first few hours are like, yeah. incredible but then the rest of the game didn't make much I would, of an impression I would play on that game as like you know a point and click adventure game more so the than whole, an like, FPS the introduction like, yeah, of Songbird and like the chase the, that first yeah. chase after you break out what's her name Emily like that's an amazing experience but then the rest of the game just sort of I love Songbird yeah. as a villain but they totally underutilized him mm-hmm. yeah. so there was a lot going on there they picked Bioshock Infinite because it was it was so divisive um, the, the you know the terminology of mm-hmm. ludonarrative dissonance comes up so it was just a sort of like moment of time and criticism also a game where people really lauded and then on retrospection sort of you know, dialed back some of their praise. So it was also I think it was a, a moment in time kind of a choice. W- exactly what you're getting at is like the discussion about that game was lofty and I don't think it connected with the audience. Like hmm. I think we, we talked about it as critics and we rightfully so and stuff like that. And it was a lot of critics liked it a lot, but you know, the wider gaming audience kind of separated and said like, this isn't a fun game. I think that was a really hmm. interesting moment. I have a notable mention. What's that? Aliens, Col- colonial Marines. Mm-hmm. Because Whoa. boy, <laughs> Boy, yeah. in, in the same way that my other notable mention where it's almost like a, a negative, but a moment of time and, yeah. uh, and like a cultural industry moment where there was just so much drama over that lawsuits over that yeah. completely changed. I think, I think that was the moment where kind of people's opinions on Gearbox completely changed. Also, yeah. they started to kind of see some of the inner workings. So was that after Borderlands 2? Yes. Yeah, it was because Borderlands like 2 was 2012. Months. 
Yeah, there you go. So funny. Yeah. Yeah. So that was crazy. That's a good pick. For 2014, they picked Destiny. Sure. Which, yeah. yeah, I guess I can see that, even though... Well, it, the it, fact that there's a Marvel game coming out that's copying it is yeah, that, a good indication sort of, that it was influential. Yeah. That sort of, we have every every we have that to thank for every shared world shooter yep. that we have today, right? Thanks. I hate <laughs> it. They made MMOs <laughs> popular again yeah. in um, mainstream. That's such yeah. an odd... I mean, you know, the shooting, it's bungee, right? So it's like, of course, it's immaculate. Like, it's the best feeling mm-hmm. FPS out there, in my <laughs> opinion. Um I played a little bit of an early version of Destiny, and what I thought I was playing was, you know, an early version. And the game came out, yeah, and it was the same. Like the story is gone, and like I cannot believe to this day that that game opens and just the the campaign is what it is. Like it's atrociously bad and makes no sense. Remember how the audience backlash to that game got uh, uh, Peter Dinklage removed from it? Yeah, Peter Dinklage is gone from that game. So crazy because he was patched out. He totally phoned in his performance. (laughs) He was like, this is a video and game. Paul McCartney, Paul McCartney recorded a song for it. Yeah. The music video is Ooh. insane. The, that's all so hubristic too, but there it is, a big hit. And, I, and I'm glad to hear, <laughs> I mean, like, again, like yeah. I really love Destiny on a gameplay level and I'm pleased to see that, you know, Bungie has bounced back and is, you know, now blazing their own trail and people seem to, mm. you know, Destiny 2 is now, has this new life breathed into it. So I'm not trying to be a hater, but like Destiny 1, man, like, I, like that was the first time a big AAA game like that, I was like, Maybe not the first ever, but I'm like, I, it was so eye-opening to just see it fall down in such a major fundamental way. I actually really like what AV Club had to say about Destiny. Uh, they said, Destiny wasn't a game changer of Halo proportions, but it did point the way to a new era of work-in-progress blockbusters. Oh, man. And of gamers willing to forgive the launch day wrinkles of a much-hyped tentpole under the assumption that they'd be ironed out eventually, sometimes years down the line. Yeah. It's really I, well put. Sure. I think that the tolerance for that is finally starting to evaporate, which is which is cool, but people still tolerate it. Uh, yeah. Should we call CJ? Yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> Get him on the line. <laughs> speakerphone. Lifeline. Uh, for 2015, they picked The Witcher 3. Mm. What about Rocket League, man? Not that like what? I'm an active player That's, or anything, but it's sure. like Minecraft mm-hmm. level of... What makes Witcher 3 important? Yeah, important. I don't know. Certainly like a beloved, maybe a perfect you know, action RPG I mean, game, they're making but, uh, a Netflix series uh, out of it. That is true. Well, well not of, of it, though. Is it fair enough? I can go for um, this one. Yeah, uh, it's based on a license yep. again. Mm-hmm. Very unusual mm-hmm. to have such a, a, a. And here's the thing: it made that license so much better. It's like mm-hmm. that Chronicles of Riddick situation where it's like, should this <laughs> is this book series that I've read seven out of eight books of right now? Should you know like should we care about that? I don't think so. I think you should care about The Witcher Three. That's the absolute mm-hmm. best version of that universe. Mm-hmm. The game does a better job of showing why that universe should be cool, which is a universe about a guy with a sword hunting monsters and a girl with a sword hunting monsters too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really cool. That it doesn't work in the book very well. Mm-hmm. So I think that's neat. And then also it's like just an amazing uh, uh, use of the open world to have. Um, a series of like, you know, a, a story quest, but then you can also just go to just kill monsters that you can just do that in that game. And I think that's a really cool choice they present to you is like, and both of them are equally as fulfilling and really fun. Yeah. I love that game so much. It's books, it's, not so much. It probably has the best like <clears throat> open world map with a lot of stuff to do on it. Like that's the best version of that, but. Mm. And the amount of dialogue in that game. And again, all like exquisitely acted. Mm. I just like Skyrim looks so crappy compared to it. <laughs> I guess because it is the gold standard, that's what makes it yeah. an important title I'll that say, year. Yeah, exactly. And that's what it's become is like this gold standard. I think CD Projekt Red is the best developer on earth that's not Nintendo or Rockstar. Like that game, just just from that one game, that's why I'm so excited for Cyberpunk. Like uh, I don't know anybody yeah. who can make a game better that I'll trust to make a game. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, for 2016, they picked Pokemon Go. 
which could also be a controversial choice. I completely choice. agree. I think it's one of the best games ever made. Well, it was certainly, you know, no, there, there's no denying it was an incredible phenomenon at the time. Do you remember those videos and like, of yeah. just like we have never and will never see anything like a crowd of hundreds of people in public parks. Yeah. Like it was like if all of Minecraft happened in one week. It was the perfect, it was so fast. perfect storm of Pokemon being pretty popular already. Every, pretty much everyone is on board with Pokemon and it was free. And everyone else is doing it, so why not just download it and check it out? The perfect use of AR, of like the conceit of like Pokemon are hiding in the Mm -hmm. real world and you just can't see them, like totally worked. And, you know, it preyed, not preyed on, but uh, traded on people's nostalgia, but also presented them a new vision of this classic thing. Yeah, it's great. It also hit news stories outside of just our industry and and like more in the mainstream area. And people like city officials were getting involved because there was one particular story I remember is there were a lot of Pokemon Go players going into a cemetery. And so people were complaining because they were, you know, they're mourning their relatives and friends. Um, And so they had to get the city involved to start to make sort of, you know, decrees of what is or isn't allowed. We wrote uh, a lot of features about Pokemon Go at that time, and one that really stuck out to me and that I remember is that businesses were uh, placing, what is it, lures or whatever, like... If their business with a po- was a Pokestop, they were buying in the game the thing that made it a more attractive place in order to lure in business into their actual physical business by mm-hmm. like making yeah. their Our editor, virtual Casey, location. I think, wrote that. Casey DeFrieda. She, yeah, before she, we, yeah, she we, went to businesses in Florida and interviewed a bunch of uh, those businesses and talked about how they were affected by right. those I lures. had forgotten that was mm-hmm. Casey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's like, it's not cheap, right? Like they were spending hundreds of dollars, but like it was worth it for them for the commerce they were gaining in the real world. It had this mm-hmm. halo effect. I just, I really wish that I was like walking around with friends playing a game now. Like that was a, such a, a great time and it's just never been lived up to. We tried to make Harry Potter AR happen, but. Well, yeah, nope. it's Niantic, same developer, right? Yeah. But um, nope. they really missed the mark nope. with it. But Pokemon Go, you know, they will eventually run out of Pokemon. So there's, <clears throat> you know, there is a stopping point there that I'm sure there's many, many meetings being held about what are they going to do? But um, it's a sustained success, right? Oh like, yeah. It, it sort of dipped and now it's back. The game remains perennially popular. And we all forgave it its warts i'm curious oh my goodness that game was a mess at launch yep. I'm, I'm also curious like how it compares to overwatch because overwatch has sustained a community too mm-hmm. and it's moving into a sequel and that came out the same year and, mm-hmm. same yeah. year really mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so that's my notable mention that's what its competition is yeah pokemon go versus overwatch well you're to draw something come out i was gonna say that was <laughs> oh yeah that was a really funny like <laughs> nationwide fun, like, hula hoop experience yeah. that was like yeah. pokemon go I have some good screenshots still yeah right <laughs> I mean, totally. that was so fun for that week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Josh, something that's really, that, that was, was that's fun. 2011, 2012. Um, yeah, I certainly played a lot more Overwatch than Pokemon Go, come to think of it. Mm-hmm. Good news, Sam. You're about to get permission to talk about Breath of the Wild because that was AV Club's pick for 2017. Take it? 2017, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Most important game. Super Enough Mario said. Odyssey over Breath of the Wild. Think but so? not for important for game. Just, just Yeah, just I just need to say it every time mm. it comes up around Sam. Uh, what <laughs> AV Club had to say was both Breath of the Wild and the Switch itself were attempts by Nintendo to both go back to basics and take unexpected steps forward after the disappointment of the Wii U. And they both worked together triumphantly to make one of gaming's oldest companies still feel as vital and innovative in 2017 as it did in 1985. That's a really good point. Yep, that's what like Nintendo does not get enough credit for. Breath of the Wild and um, you know the reinventions of these franchises feel inevitable but they are not and it's not a guarantee that it's going to work and that audiences will respond to it and so um zelda is a completely different game every 10 years or so and yet still feels familiar and i don't 
Like it's magic. I don't know how Nintendo does that. They do that with Zelda and Mario and you know, their best franchises. And and this one is the most like the very first game they made and they made it dangerous and open-ended. And Mm -hmm. that was what Zelda was when you were a little kid. It's like, this just feels like you're overpowered. You don't know where to go, but you really want to explore it. And I just like that so much as a mechanic and I wish everybody would uh, copy them. It's so risky. It's so risky from a business standpoint. What they, what they do, you know, the, 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 how far out on a limb they're willing to go with Mario and Zelda. I think what speaks to this being the important game selection of that year is also even just for us as journalists going into E3 and you're taking your Nintendo appointments, it's like, are you going to do the thing that you get that they did with Breath of the Wild, but with insert franchise here, it's like, you're going to do that reinvention, but somehow maintaining a lot of the nostalgic feel to it. So it became kind of like Witcher where it's the gold standard of like, are you going to imitate this thing that ended up being very successful? The the E3 demo was just the great plateau and it was what yeah. a 10 or 15 yeah. minute timer. Like, and you can do whatever you, <laughs> you wanted do on, but like you uh, could do everything. Yeah, like, but it's like, it's just like such like, a small little that's portion like of the Just game. expanding on what Tina was saying, like, you know, it was a 10 or 15 minute demo, go do whatever you want, see whatever you want. And like 20 people had 20 completely different experiences. It was unbelievable. It's still the biggest, most interesting world at the same time. There's yep. no game mm-hmm. that's done like Red Dead absolutely has a big world and it's beautiful, but it's not interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. the Breath of the Wild world, every single corner of it just got more and more interesting. There was such crazy stuff to discover in that. And game. people are still discovering things mm-hmm. in 2019, <clears throat> yeah. two years, I, two years later. So yeah. excited they're making a sequel. Um, yeah. You know, and the game does have like, it is one of my favorite games of all time, but you know, the dungeon's not great. Like there's stuff about it that... There is room for improvement, and yeah, like, that's sure. what's so exciting to me. Is like, man, they're gonna. They, You're they both have, dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> they have the potential to make this great thing even better. All right, for 2018, I picked Fortnite, and as much as I hate to say it, you know, it's hard to argue against that. Yeah, it's very like, like these other ones, it t- like it, it has that test of it's on morning shows. <laughs> I mean, yeah, nothing since Pokemon Go, there isn't mm-hmm. anything that's that sort of yeah. phenomenon. But like also, it, right? Red Dead Two is so technically proficient, mm-hmm. but also boring. No, not you're nearly wrong. as you're wrong. not nearly as now. popular as Fortnite. Like there's no. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, I mean, it's hard to even know. Happening right now. It's hard to know where to start with Fortnite. Like the 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 sheer bullying these console makers into crossplay. <laughs> Like yeah, forcing yeah, yeah, them yeah. to play, you know, to to well, bring so, them in line with what gamers have always wanted. Well, they made they make so much money a Fortnite. It get, allowed them to launch their own game store mm-hmm. and just like just pay whatever it took the, to get exclusives. The <laughs> Battle Pass. You know, I don't think it was literally the first game to have a Battle Pass, but now Battle Passes are the way that free to play games are monetized. Like it killed the loot box, man. Like. <laughs> You can be angry at Epic Games, and I'm not saying there's not real reasons to, but like they chose to monetize their game in a different way that feels to me, you know, a little bit more ethical and fair, particularly for younger gamers. That what you see is what you get. There's no random drops. Yeah. Like that's notable, right? Like yeah, that shifted like, the course just of like the you games said, industry. It's funny you say that because uh, I once again I like what AV Club wrote. They said the genius of Epic's little money making engine that could isn't the bright, vibrant art style. It ripped that off of Blizzard. Or the one against the world gameplay, which it lifted from PUBG, which it stole from somewhere else. Or even its novel, fort-building conceit, which itself cannibalized from its far less lucrative game of origin. No, Fortnite's real claim to brilliance is its business model, which invited young players into its world for free, then showed them the wonders available to holders of its rapidly iterating season passes. That's really gross compared to Red Dead. I know. I, <laughs> exactly. agree. I agree with that. And I'm so happy that, that a thing like Red Dead is a work of art that we can say, I want that more. And that the fact that we got it last year makes me so excited that we all thought single player games could go away. And this game, yes, there was parts of it that people found boring, but that's not for you. And the fact that they made this game and it was such a big seller and it worked for some people, 
and that's viable is great because everybody wants to make Fortnite. They want to make that game over and over again, mm-hmm. make that work for them. I'm really proud that people are making giant single player games. But I think that's Cyberpunk. A lot, that's a lot Me less too. gross than Overwatch. Like people in the same breath don't talk about the loot boxes in that game. Oh, like, I don't mean I don't mean that that they're doing it in, in any way bad. I just don't like that the conversation is about the business for that, and that's why it's influential. That's all I'm saying. We're just trying to bring Red Dead back into the conversation. <laughs> Thank it. you. Yeah. Uh, I will say a notable mention, sort of a blanket sweeping statement of indie games that year. Um, last year were really year? great, like Celeste or Dead Cells or The Messenger or Into the Breach. There was just a ton, I feel like, that we all had to end up playing for for Game of the Year more than maybe other it years. It started with Super Mate Boy. Exactly. <laughs> the first independent game. Uh, and I think they have a kind of a cop-out answer for 2019. For 2019, they picked all the undying games that have come before. And it's a little it's a little hard to understand. They explained, The majority of the oxygen, oxygen in the room is suddenly being consumed by games that came out years before, either in the form of direct sequels like The Division 2 and Borderlands 3, mm. or just extended content for older titles like Destiny 2. Hell, even the biggest innovation in game genres to, emer- to emerge this year, the rampantly popular auto-chess format, is an outgrowth of a massively downloaded mod for a game that's now several years into its run. So I think they're just saying like it's it's there's not enough new this year, but yeah. that's kind of a lame answer. It's hard to say when you're living it. I know, yeah. Know. What's yeah. the most important game of 2019? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Death Stranding feels like a really big conversation That's piece true. and That's it's really true. divisive and does some interesting new things. Do we want to retain that into 2020 and further games or do we not? Well, yeah. If we're sticking with Nintendo revolutionizing stuff, I hope Pokemon is. Ring Fit. Sorry. Ring, yes. Ring <laughs> Fit, yeah. Apple Arcade. Yeah, I was gonna cool. say I, mean, I was. I thought you guys would make fun of me if I brought it up Aww. again. No, but no, I, Christina brought it up. So I like Apple. She Arcade. gets the credit. No, but and I you think don't get made fun of game subscription services. Like <laughs> mm, you know, uh, we didn't see PlayStation ga- Now is really coming to its own. Mm-hmm. And um, Stadia is uh, launching. Xbox game Xbox Game Pass mm. is not yeah. a 2019 product. But then with something like Apple Arcade, the difference with Apple Arcade is that all those games are uh, original to Arcade. You know, mm-hmm. It's not a back mm-hmm. library of games, but. Um, but even so, like, yeah, uh, you know, there's good and bad to it, right? Like, it's really wonderful and amazing from a consumer standpoint. It also devalues games from a consumer standpoint um, now that these games are all just free. Like, what is a game worth? So, I don't know. We'll have to see. You have a second computer here? Second computer. Lots of food for thought with that list. I thought uh, this was 1990. What is this computer doing here? This is a, <laughs> a ThinkPad. <laughs> uh, let's move on. All right, like that I was said, the same sound you did last. Yeah, because awards? this one that I got the gold better the, silver metal. It's like in a weird format, so you can't make out the melody well enough. I can hear it. Yeah. Should be louder. That's more in its blob. Uh, as promised, the 1990 video game buyer's guide, which I uh, for this one I I stepped outside of our. Uh, own office uh, magazine catalog and got this off online. So I have images of everything which I can actually put up on screen for you uh, watching at home. So How are you going to do that? Well, it'll, I mean, the magic of editing, Samuel. Well, how are we going to see it? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll show you my computer. Oh my God. Old school. I'm talking about? 1990 Video Game Buyer's Guide. In 1990, the NES was showing its age. The Sega Genesis was out. The TurboGrafx-16 was out. The Game Boy was about to be out. Well, or it was out, right? It was, it was out. out. It launched in 89. Uh, and this is from uh, the makers of EGM. On the first page, we have an uh, ad for this NES game, Robo Warrior. Mm-hmm. So I remember the box. But this ad... It just says items in it? Yeah. So That's hold on. Cute. The ad is two two pages that doesn't show a single screenshot. <laughs> it's just like the art from the instruction manual. So you have no idea what this game looks like. And it's just like the arsenal, the powers, the enemies, the lords, <laughs> room like of idols. Tr- it's like they're trying to advertise with like a preview or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it doesn't. It gives you no idea Weird. what that game cool. is. Whoa. Now we have an ad for a double ad for Mega Man 2 
Ann Strider radical from Capcom. Action. It says, get set for radical action. Oh my God, I got to read you the text down here. Uh, stand by, gamers. Capcom introduces two new thrilling games to its Nintendo series. And as always, the graphics are hot and the action intense. Mm. First, experience the ultimate character adventure game. As Mega Man, one word, yeah. you must conquer and control the eight empires of the evil Wait. Dr. Wily. But nope. beware of his sinister robots <laughs> that rule each empire. Their special powers present a unique challenge at every level. Then, Prepare for undercover action as the Strider. I like how Mega Man ends up as the Emperor. Of these <laughs> yeah, your orders. <laughs> your orders are to enter Russia and infiltrate the Red Army, returning enemy secrets to your superiors. But be extremely cautious. You know, you know what Russians do to spies. <laughs> so get set for Man. radical action in these exciting additions to the Nintendo Entertainment System from Capcom USA. How does it? How does an ad go to print that has Mega Man? It's like one word and like the Strider. <laughs> yeah, like this like, is an ad and not like the editorial <laughs> copy, right? Yeah. Well. I don't know. Yeah. We got these games from Japan. Put them on, put them on the page. <laughs> wait, Something happened in translation. Wait, wait, wait. My that? favorite part is that the Mega Man 2 screenshot has a caption that just says Mega Man 2 screenshot. <laughs> or an, and, uh, and start a screenshot. Did you hear in what they opened this with? A very early use of the word gamers. What? Yeah. That was absolutely Stand by gamers, vocabulary. 1990. Stand uh-huh. by gamers. very unusual. This would have been published in fall of 1989. So wow. oh, that's pretty early. Uh, an ad for Fester's Quest with just a kid. They just show the kid playing the game and then they picked. Lurch. I mean, the game doesn't look like much in its gameplay, so they picked one of the like cutscenes. Super realistic alert yeah. image. He and looks it's, like he's in pain. And I like how at the bottom it says it's from Sunsoft, the title holder. <laughs> what does that mean? What does that mean, Sam? Like, like they're the king, like the, I guess. Like the yeah, like the belt holder. Yeah. I don't exactly. know. Oh, it's yeah. like a boxing yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. This is a wrestling I don't thing. Know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, they have a whole expose on uh, video game counselors oh, from that, from call centers. That's cool. actually, what? That's us. I know. Yeah. That's actually really cool. The it's faces, odd that it's in their buyer's guide. The faces behind the phone lines. I, I'll read some of this for you because this is really good stuff. Has so these Ultima? Were, these are people you'd call for game help. Yeah, which I did on a couple of occasions. And you're welcome right. to call us anytime for yep. game help. Yep. We're here right now taking your calls. <laughs> Has Ultima <laughs> got you stumped? <laughs> Having problems getting Simon through the Castlevania quest? Don't give up. There is hope. Answers to almost all of your gaming questions are only a phone call away. You can dial many of your favorite game companies and get the latest tips and info from best video hotshots around. Is there a number? Not yet. You're going to okay. try to call Maybe it. later. For the 400th time, you've attempted to fight your way past the seemingly indestructible boss on level 8, and each time your character gets sent on the express elevator out of Nintendo land. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, blah, blah, blah. Who are these people on the other end of the phone? How did they get so good at video games? What are their jobs really like and how they get them? First of all, these champions are called game counselors or technical support representatives. <laughs> Those are different things. Uh, most, of the, <laughs> most of them are around 23 yeah, to 20. Yeah, what's up with that? Tech support versus <laughs> yeah. like how to beat a game? Those are very different things. Most of them are around 23 to 28 years old, although sometimes you'll encounter a game counselor who's well into his 40s. What? Regardless, there's usually one factor that all game counselors have in common. They love video games. Do you think yeah, this apparently job, they share that one pronoun too. I'm almost like, I've never thought about this before, but this job probably was born out of, like kids were probably just calling up. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Oh, they're That's absolutely calling. You're going to find out. Yeah. Capcom yeah. US I can't figure out how to get back my tank and blaster master. Yeah. And they're like, this, I'm a receptionist. Like, you're gonna, you? Yeah, they interview some of these employees. And Let that's me connect exactly you with the director. So, <laughs> I apologize. Quote, <laughs> uh, That's a prerequisite for working at Vic Tokai, explained their game counselor, Tom Grice. 
they published NES games. I can't tell you what they published, but I, I remember that name. I always played Shooters. games when I was a kid. I was a game fanatic. I never thought I'd be making money at it, though. Tony Van, the main man at Activision, mentioned the importance wow. of being knowledgeable on as many different... Whoa, where did my cursor go? On as many different systems as possible. You've got to be familiar with all the systems. If it's just video games, it's not too difficult. For computer-related systems, which is the bulk oh. of my job, I have to know which system, what hardware it can accommodate, what it doesn't have, and how people can buy it. But we that's have to tech know support. What yeah. will, that's why they said tech representatives. Yeah. We have to know what will happen in certain operating systems, what those errors oh, mean, right. and how we can go around it. While many companies employ their own game counselors, Nintendo is definitely king of the hill mm-hmm. in this area. Mm-hmm. Their operation has more than 90 people working phone lines and answering more than 25,000 calls each week. Whoa! Not only can the Nintendo counselors answer questions about Nintendo's own games like Metroid, Punch-Out! and Zelda, they also have a wealth of valuable info on games produced by the 36 Nintendo licensees. While we all know that phone counselors can be extremely helpful in beating the games, especially the more involved RPG titles and quest adventures, what exactly are the qualifications needed to become a phone counselor? How do these people end up in the positions they're in? Jennifer Pascal at Acclaim Entertainment gave a very frank description of how she wound up as one of their game counselors. When I started working here, I was mainly doing a lot of filing and secretarial work. While I was using the fax machine, I would have to wait a long time for the transmissions to finish. I would wander over to the video game area. Change the pages. Wander over to the video games. You need tech support. Yep. Call that guy right now. What system are you running? And play games until the fax machine was finished. Her superiors quickly realized where her true talents ran and switched her to game counseling. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, this goes on for a few more pages, but it's pretty good. This is EGM, right? This is EGM. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting like how a typo can can slip through, especially so frequently, because at least in my time in, in magazines, you had multiple people look at it for like a month before it went up and you read it over and yeah. over and over. Yeah. These old magazines are littered with typos. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It's so good. And then what you were saying, Justin, this sounds exactly like what you're describing. It says Robert, uh, Lightgeb wandered into game counseling in a similar fashion. He was initially an assistant sales manager at Tecmo and he began to play more and more games from his, com- from his company. He says, everybody just started referring game questions to me because I started figuring out the games. It was more or less just handed to me. So I guess I made my own fate by playing the game so much. Cool. So it sounds like people were calling and they're like, I don't know. Uh, Robert, how did you beat uh, whatever? Ninja <laughs> it's Gaiden? like when I, you know, before I ever worked in the industry, this would have been when I was first reading IGN in the late 90s. <clears throat> Everybody that wrote for IGN like worked in a game store. That's mm. just where you became an expert at video games. There's no college that you went to for that, you know, for like very few people treated that as like journalism. So they weren't journalists. They were just working at Babbage's or GameStop. Very strange. <laughs> What are you guys giggling at? Uh, there's a game counselor here. He's got a cool uh, old school Wendy's cup on his desk. But then also wow. a Genesis and a TurboGrafx-16 cool. on well, his desk. Well, you have to know all the systems. Yeah, you got to know all the systems. What's that thing he's holding? That's a telephone. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like a ram's horn. I think, uh, why is there a wire on it? I think it's funny <laughs> yeah. that, the, that the phone icon on our smartphone doesn't look like what phones look like now. Yeah, yeah that's true. The yeah. phone icon on the smartphone? Yeah, it's, oh, it looks oh, like an iPhone. It looks like a phone. You mean the emoji? No, no, it uh, looks like an old receiver. Still a phone. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Kids are like, why, is, why does it yeah. look like a little green smile? Why is it a banana? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have an ad for the NES game Kung Fu Heroes. I've never played this one, but I, I'm familiar with it. And I guarantee you all the copy on this ad was written in Japan. Because it is hilarious. It oh, says, boy. introducing comical Kung Fu action game for dual play. Enjoy together. This is a comical <laughs> Kung Fu action game. That's lots of fun. You can play this game with your parents, friends, or neighbors. Oh. And there's a little cartoon man here that says, now, from this top-level game maker. <laughs> That's just what it's... Now, 
from this top level game. Available maker. now. Yeah. Wow. Kung Fu. Uh, is this what you're giggling at your desk about yesterday? I'm, I'm giggling about all this. Because Damon's face is like beat red. And he's like, <laughs> I can't wait for you to see this magazine tomorrow. And then he just giggled and giggled and giggled. All right. He wasn't playing that un- uh, Untitled Goose game anymore. And here is uh, EGM's best and worst of 1989. Let's start doing worst lists again. I mean, yeah. So, best game of the year, Ghouls and Ghosts. Whoa. What? In best game of the year in 89. So it would have been Sega Genesis, Ghouls and Ghosts. I mean, yeah, whatever. Bion Commando came out that year. No big deal. <laughs> no, that was 88. Oh, crap. Best game of the year uh, on Nintendo was Tecmo's Ninja Gaiden. Gaiden is okay. two words here. What about <laughs> Super Mario Brothers 2? Is that 88 also? It must be 88. They said, with its cinemascope effects, interesting storyline, and radical gameplay, Ninja Gaiden proved to be an instant winner. I don't know about cinemascope effects. Yeah. Well, Uh, we know the guy that was answering the lines at Tecmo sales (laughs) center. So he really got it. Give him a call. Yeah. Uh, Best graphics in a video game was also ghouls and ghosts. Let's move on here. How do you think the games were in 1889? (laughs) They're probably a little bit less exciting. Best new video game system. The best new video game system was Sega Genesis. Ball and cup. Say, although it's catching heat now, the TurboGrafx-16 is sitting alongside, the Genesis edges out its worthy competition with its true 16-bit processor. I, I, I have some angering news. Okay, what's that? DuckTales came out in 1989. Uh, no, Ghouls and Ghosts. DuckTales. <laughs> Same company, too. The most ta- challenging video game was Sega's Fantasy Star. No, not Ninja Gaiden. <laughs> no. Don't. Fantasy Star. Best sequel to an existing game. Yep, that's what a sequel is. Mega Man 2 and Ghouls and Ghosts. It was a tie. Sequel to an existing game. You know, there, there were sequels to games like Cheetahman 2, which never had a Cheetahman. <laughs> it was a tie with Mega Man 2 and Ghouls and Ghosts. Uh, most exciting new theme in a game, Tetris. Oh. New theme. Although it had a successful life as a computer game prior to appearing on the Nintendo, Tetris has managed to capture the hearts and minds of Americans despite the fact that the Russians are behind it. <laughs> That's the second dig at Russia. Yes. Remember, this, this is 1989. So the Cold War? Yeah. Yeah, I guess ha- I've never thought. I mean, the wall when, come down? The wall came down early, like 91? Yeah, but that so only like, solved the yeah. issue in Berlin. I haven't thought too much about the Russians. This. The Red Menace. <laughs> it's very well. It's not only is it Russian, but it's like unapologetically Russian. Oh yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it was like bridging a cultural divide yeah. at the time. Like the mm-hmm. whole purpose of that game wasn't like, yeah, we're gonna play this game to show the Russians. It was like, hey, here's a peaceful thing that we can all enjoy together. It's another typo, by the way. Oh, well, there's so many. Which one are you looking An at? An overly addictive puzzle game that's nauseatingly simply to play. But also, <laughs> what do you mean? What, what nauseatingly that? simple. I was hoping for What's Tetris. Tetris. This this game is so simple. It makes me sick. <laughs> no. What? <laughs> yeah. Can't take it anymore. Best RPG video game, Ultima. Yeah. Okay. No idea. I played that one, but I couldn't really figure it out as a kid. <laughs> I love games like that. <laughs> Best video game controller, Hudson's Sansui SSS. Who could forget? We don't know what it is, but there's an ad for it later on in the okay. in the uh, in the issue. Hottest hero in a video game, Capcom's Mega Man. And I don't think they mean like sexy. I think they mean like yeah, coolest. Well, it's because you could. Get fireman's power and catch on fire. He <laughs> says, right? besides blasting away Dr. Wily and his evil minions, that mega fantastic video game superhero Mega Man also beat the likes of Simon Belmont, who fights a Dracula with more lives than Jason, and Link, what a wimp. <laughs> uh, Something's never changed. Coolest boss attackers. It was a tie. Ghouls and Ghosts and the Legendary Axe. I don't understand. But they didn't tell you what boss attackers. Yeah. So just, yeah. Boss attackers. That red demon at the beginning of Ghouls and Ghosts. Yeah. Most ridiculous premise for a game, Trade West's Taboo. 
Yeah, that game is a uh, that that's a uh, what's it called? Um, Astro astrology astrology yeah. yeah it's an astrology game it's like a palm reading astrology game and it's just like a bunch of cards and it puts out and you do like palm reading on the nes and yeah. it's so stupid i totally rented it and like did every oh, like damn every combination the of cover like was just a dumb sun i, I rented it <laughs> they say as non-conventional video games jeopardy and wheel of fortune were fun to play and oh. anticipation wasn't overly stomach churning but who really needs a video game version of tarot cards the mystical responses aren't even interesting mm-hmm. at this rate a learn to program basic on your nintendo and yeah. video calculator cards can't be far behind Please, guys. More turn. Remember that? <laughs> Don't forget, it's a video game system. Hey, mm. if you ever get a chance in your life to play Family Feud on the NES, it's from 1989. <laughs> and Family Feud, the. But Ghouls and Ghosts won? I know. Oh, man. The, the idea of that game is that you pick things that people in 1989 would have answered. You're trying to guess what the crowd would answer. So, like, who's the hottest hunk on TV? Yeah. And it's like Scott Bayo and stuff. Yeah. Like, it's very confusing. It's, it's before my time easily. So, like, you have to guess what people in that time would say. What's the scariest movie ever? And it's so fun. Try it out. Good. Most eagerly anticipated game that was released was Konami's TMNT. Sure. Most it- eagerly anticipated game that wasn't released was Super <laughs> Mario Brothers 3. Oh, yeah. That sure. got pushed to 1990. Yeah. The third chapter of the Super Mario Brothers series played to rave reviews and a chart-breaking run in Japan last year. In the States, however, it looks as though we'll have to wait until sometime in 1990 to experience the further adventures of Mario and Luigi. For those of you who, can't just wait, who just can't wait, go plop a quarter and a Play Choice 10 with the Super Mario yes. Brothers 3 at your local arcade. Wow. I have one. Worst propaganda film of 1989, <laughs> Nintendo's Game Boy press conference. Mm. Who could forget? Oh, I would love to watch that. Yes, yeah, I would too. They say, they say tooting your horn really tooting your horn for the sake of advertising is one thing, but without the flash of the superior 16-bitters or a color handheld at the summer CES, Nintendo made an eager audience sit through a horrible film, starring Mario, of course, that tried to convince everyone that 16-bit machines were unnecessary and oh boasted gosh. no real strengths of the current NES. Give me a break! Nintendo may want us to stay in the Stone Age, but can they honestly think that there's no difference between the games for play on the Turbo and Genesis and their NES? Stuff a pizza in it, Mario! <laughs> What does that mean? He's Italian. Oh. Stuff a pizza in it. Well, the worst the worst film of 1989, what? Star Trek 5. What? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Movie's fine. I Star Trek 5. There's a video out there of Nintendo pitching the Game Boy by by slandering the Genesis, and I've never yeah. seen it. I'm so interested. Same. It's definitely not on YouTube. Star Trek 5. Uh, best movie to game was Sunsoft's Batman. Yeah, got nailed Worst that one. movie to game, Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm, nailed that one. Mm-hmm. No movie to game, Star Trek 5. <laughs> <laughs> uh, most power-ups in a video game, River City Ransom. Somebody counted, apparently. Was that really an 89 game? I would think that would be an earlier one. Wimpiest hostage in a video game. Tina, are you taking notes for our game or end of the game of the year awards? We need wimpiest hostage. Back. Wimpiest hostage. President Bush in Data East. Bad dudes. Wow. Yeah. Poignant. Most unpronounceable game title. Nobunaga's ambition. Why not just call it "Become a Mean Dude and Take Over a Country" or "Unite Japan" or something like that? How many kids are going to be asking for a game they can't pronounce? Vaguely. That's so stupid. Vaguely xenophobic. Um, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Russia. <laughs> um, let's see what else we got here. Best ending in a video game was uh, Ninja Gaiden. Worst ending in a video game was... Uh, Nobody beat Ninja Gaiden. Ultima. After spending mega hours to finish this RPG, the virtual lack of an ending makes the adventure seem pretty worthless. The longest ending in a video game was NEC's Victory Run. Oh. It's a racing game. I never played it. 
But they said at the conclusion of this rally racing game, your alter ego jumps from his car, rushes onto the shoreline, and into the nearby ocean. While not tremendously exciting, the next couple of minutes are spent watching the sun go down in what seems like real time while a boat drifts by. Cool. <laughs> now you don't need to beat it. That would be called the worst spoiler on earth. It's true. In this this year. Spoilers yeah, like didn't exist of, back then. No, they definitely didn't exist. And I like the idea of I remember one of the spreads of Nintendo Power is just all the endings of all the famous yeah. games. Which is really funny. Um I love the idea of talking about endings. Like we that was like the only reason to play a game back then, but now people don't talk about it that same way. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? You rank the endings of games. Best endings? Okay. Yeah. Best game endings. Of sure. this year? Oh yeah, sure. How's uh, Outer World's ending? Uh, nah, First, tell us what fine. happened. Kind of a nothing. <laughs> okay. uh, the most promising game companies were Sega, Konami, Acclaim, Sunsoft, and Tecmo. Mm. They kind of nailed it. Which one um, was the title leader? Or what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sunsoft. Sunsoft, yeah. Sunsoft, yeah. yeah. Uh, Fading Fast game company was Tonka, because Tonka distributed the Sega Master System. Oh, ouch. And a bunch of cars. <laughs> Videotape. Yeah, I don't Drugs. know. Most lawsuits was Tetris. Uh, okay, well, I think that's... That's about it for the okay. best and worst of. Uh, just a couple more uh, things in this issue. There's an ad for a video cassette on secrets, codes, and strategies. Okay. So you would Ooh. mail away, you'd send off. I have several video cassettes with that stuff. You would send off 1995, and they'd send you a game tape with like tips Does on it how say to be. The game list? Double Dragon, oh, Iron. Oh, oh, oh. Does it have Metal Gear? Yep. Mega Man 2? Mm, they don't mention that. Okay. Does it, it have. Um, it says 16 more. Are you Billy? We don't have the full list. Okay. Yeah. I think Listening I have that tape. Is, Rambo's on there, Life Force. Uh, and then here's that control, best controller, the, uh, the Joy Card Sansui SSS that has some Whoa, sort of stereo dude. sound. So it's modeled after the Famicom controller. I like how it's like kind of blue and silver. And it's it has cool. a headphone jack. Cool. Do you think it's suspicious that there's an ad for it when it won best new controller? No, in the I don't magazine? think so. I don't think so. Do controllers so. never have headphone jacks? No, they do. Or you're saying uh, phones and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's it, a good point. There's an ad for several Bandai games, including Monster Party yeah, and I love it. Wild Boys. That never came out. Never came out. I'm there old. is no NES game called Wild Boys. I'm very into it's it. It's false advertisement. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Didn't the, you have Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Yeah, God, so bad, so bad. <laughs> they have some profiles of the new game systems here, but I want to point out some reviews. Of course, Ghouls and Ghosts, which won their Game of the Year. It got game straight, of the year. straight nines in their reviews. The best game for the Genesis so far. Awesome graphics, blah, blah, blah. Ghouls and Ghosts is a game you can't pass up. It's one of the few titles that pack enough action and challenge to keep any player busy. The best game cartridge of all time. Wow. Plus your stomach is not upset because it's not boring. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Not simple. Then they reviewed Tetris. Simply. They reviewed Tetris on Game Boy. They gave it three eights and a seven. All right. Which is a little, maybe a little surprising considering it's yeah. probably one of the best games of all time. Straight Martin gems. here gave it a seven, said the perfect portable game. The perfect portable game Can't is a seven. a seven. Can't top a seven. <laughs> um, possibly the best game available for the name Game Boy System, David said. And then Steve said, Tetris. Possibly. You only have to play four others. Tetris <laughs> a is huge launch. the perfect game for Game Boy. He gave it an eight. It's also <laughs> one of my grammatical pet peeves here is he calls the game addicting. Instead of, oh, adi- yeah. instead, of, mm-hmm. instead of addictive. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty bad. They reviewed Super Mario Land on Game Boy, three eights and a seven. Same score as Tetris. Yeah. Uh, they said, like Super Mario Brothers for the NES, Super Mario Land is filled with the same kind of running and jumping action. There are loads of secret things to uncover and new screens that add to the Super Mario theme. This is the best Game Boy game I've seen so far. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> they just, is they, this like out of eight? <laughs> yeah, yeah like, seriously. Right? 
I, I think that um, they they explained that earlier when they were making fun of uh, the Game Boy being announced and, and being like, this is the future. 16-bit is the future. They just don't like the Game Boy. Mm. Too bad. It was going to be around for another decade. All right. That's probably enough of the 1990 Video Game Buyer's Guide. And that brings us to Video Game 20 Questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Chris Hill in Cardiff, UK. He says, I have to spend a lot of time in hospital due to cancer treatment, but your show always brings a smile to my face. I especially enjoy playing along with 20 questions. As such, I thought I would get involved. Chris, uh, we wish you the best of luck in your battle against cancer. Definitely hang in there, and uh, we're happy to do what small part we can to uh, keep you entertained during those times. But he can't play along. (laughs) We picked his game. Well, no, but we picked his game. I mean, what an honor. (laughs) Okay. He's the judge. (laughs) The judge and the jury. Right on. And you can at me. No matter what, in this case, I don't care. Let the questioning begin. What was... Look at that. Yeah, yeah. those weird uh. lines. Tina, well, we have a monitor question? in here that we're... <laughs> think, think the weird things happen with white. I forget. Oh, uh, oh, do you play as a turkey? <laughs> that, that was a good one. That that's a, that's a wash question. We can't do a goof question. It was, uh, is this game... Uh, it wasn't spooky. It was... Scoop. Is this game Scoopy. <laughs> Don't uh, ask that question. Yeah. Of I'm, course it's I refuse, I refuse to answer yes. the question. Would it have so been... you refuse to answer the question? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Would it have been possible for this game to appear in the EGM 1990 Video Game Buyer's Guide? Nice no. way of putting it. No. Okay. What? Why is <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just thinking about like previews and reviews and it just got caught up yeah. in there for a minute. <laughs> is this post-2000? No. 90s game. 90s game. 90s kids will remember. That. Um, is it part of a license? No. Good question. Uh, mm. Did it appear on a Nintendo console? Yes. Ooh. Was this on uh, the Super Nintendo? Yes. That's five. Was it, it also on the NES? No. Uh. Ooh. <laughs> is it, I was going to cheat. Is it part of a series? Uh, there was a sequel. Is it? Exclusive. Well, we just won. He was supposed to answer these yes or no only. Yeah, that's <laughs> so right. to give us the game. We can all leave. Um, did, did this exclusively appear on the Super Nintendo at that time? No. Mm. Uh, do people like this game? Some people like this game. So it's divisive. Um, mm. The Death Stranding of its time. Yeah, exactly. Probably more popular during its time than today. Is it a platformer? Uh, you do some platforming, but that's not really where, where you would drop this in. If you're dropping into one genre category and that's Evo quest for Eden. No. Is there a, no, actually it's a type of platform. We'll go with that. It's a type of platformer. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Yeah. Like there are puzzles involved. It's probably Blackthorn again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, was it developed in the United States? No. Japan. No. England? No. Europe. <laughs> Europe. Yeah. Was it developed in Europe? Yes. Hey. Oh. I like that. <laughs> okay. Are there weapons? Yes. <sighs> so it's like a brawly shooty platformer? Brawly shooty. Brawly shooty. That's an actual genre. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have our object system change. Please. Is the developer still around? No. Best Brawly Shooty of 2019. <laughs> no, developer's not still around, and that's 15. So it's not a rare oh, game. wait, also that's 15. 15? 15? Yeah. What? It's because we rattled them off at a point in time. What are we... You know what this music's from? Uh, yeah, I recognize it. 
Uh, Contra 3, The Alien Wars. The Secret of Mana. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. The boss fight like, no stresses more. me out yeah, so much. Yeah, it is nice. Um, <laughs> So wait, so wait, so wait. So, so uh, multi-platform, 16-bit game that has it's some sort of weird platformer. You're also shooting things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was developed in Europe. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't know and necessarily. And the developer's not around. We don't necess- know necessarily if you're, sh- you're shooting well, things. Well, you've got Because I said weapons. Well, but he did answer you yes, so we mm. may have. Okay. And he said there was a sequel, so this means this is the first in the series. Yeah. Mm. We just was got the, two answers out of you. Was, yeah. uh, <laughs> what about, uh, what, so, 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 like, well, Treasure's Japanese, so it's not like, you know, no, it's Sunset, not a shooter, Sunset shooter. Riders or anything like that. Uh, do you play as a human? Yes. We're not going to get this one. Um, <laughs> I, I want to know if they had a sequel on the Super Nintendo but I don't know if I want to blow that question. Well, we know that there's a sequel. Mm-hmm. It'd be very weird to have a sequel on the Super Nintendo. Could be something that got a yet. sequel like, you know, could be like Bionic yeah. Commando. They got a sequel like 20 years later. Yeah, you know? I was hoping it was like a Nintendo 64 sequel or something like that. Um, we'll ask it. Did this get a sequel on the Super Nintendo? No. Womp womp. Um, let's see here. Just messing up enemies, kind of jumping around a little bit. <laughs> it could be like a, it sounds like a Strider-like game. Yeah, yeah, game. Actraiser. Are everybody the, loves Actraiser. Are yeah. the enemies also human? On Super Nintendo. Wait, who was, but also developed by Capcom, but sorry, what? Are the enemies also human? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. Not all of them, <laughs> but maybe some of them. So they're like so alien we'll things, just, they're like human figured, or they're robots or something. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. But they're not like well, I bugs I and creatures. and. We'll, we'll skip that one. The, the developed in Europe, <laughs> I think, is like an underrated. And the developers out of business yeah. should help It makes us it very here. weird because yeah. I only really know like Rare and Blizzard and stuff from the yep. time. Yep. But I, we just had Lost Vikings, so it's not Blizzard. Well, yeah, and the developer is uh, not with us anymore. <laughs> Rest in peace. <laughs> Rip. Rip. Um, uh, uh, should I, where should I go with this? Um. Oh, we should. Chris Hill is in the UK, so yeah, we should have known. Cool. Yeah, we should, maybe could have got there a little sooner. I don't know where to go with this. Is it same? A, um, is it a sci-fi game? Yes. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> I think this means that it's a. Uh, what about out of this world? I mean, is it just is it just flashback? Yeah. Well, it's what. Yeah, flashback out of this world. Um. W- was this known for its really good graphics? Oh, yes. It's one of the two, but it's not out of this world. We got that before. So oh, Damon re- repeatedly <laughs> does. <laughs> I think for out of this world, he would have said absolutely. You think it's flashback? Yeah. Is okay. this flashback the quest for our identity? Yeah! <laughs> it sure is flashback the quest for identity. What the heck's the sequel? Fade to Black. Uh, it's probably a Sega CD game. I think it was several years later. You said it came out on the gen- on the SNES. Hey guys, I have something the, to admit. The I knew that from the flashback. fifth question. I just wanted to play it after the end. Uh-huh. No way. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> yeah, ninety two, and it came out to every platform at the time. Computers, nice Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo. And I know you don't like that game, but we have played it. You have it at your desk. It's absolutely it. speak a for me. Like it's more like a cinematic. You're not like it's a cinematic platform. But it's like you can't just like run around jumping. Like you have to like it's very precise. Precisely timed moves in Horus. It's like Prince of Persia. Yeah, it's like Prince of Persia. So if we were being. The difference is that you can't press jump to jump. 
Mm. If it's, we would have to like yeah. do the activity at the while you're in yeah. motion, at it was the all about that rotoscoped animation. I mean, we got it, so yeah. you know, okay. But if we would have not gotten it, I would have been taking this one up with the commissioner because <laughs> this is a platform. <laughs> okay, all right. How many times have we had flashback on this before? <laughs> I checked. Actually, I didn't check. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows? Uh, but fun fact: what a twist! <laughs> flashback was published by U.S. Gold, and fun fact: U.S. Gold is a British. Publisher, and the whole point was to publish American games in the UK. But Flashback was developed in France, so who knows? It's a whole weird situation. So French developer. They're a European company trying to publish American style games in Europe, and the game they published is a European game. Yes, got it. Yep, and they're called US Gold. Yeah, Mm. yeah. Now you get it. We got to start asking: Is this in the pile of games between our desks? Yeah, that's actually pretty. I was thinking of that hack while you're playing. This game is not a simply game. I'll tell you that. It is nauseating. I like the idea. No, that, I like um, is simply. I like the idea of the game. I like uh, out of this world but better. It's, yeah, I know. But uh, thank you for the suggestion, Chris Hill in Cardiff, UK. If you have your own suggestions, listeners and viewers, email them to me at gamescoop at ign.com. And that is all the scoops that we have for you this week. Uh, Sam and Tina, you're going to continue playing Death Stranding mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, I'm playing We're in some, too deep. I'm playing something new that's very cool uh, that I'm going to review this month, but I'm not sure if I can. Uh, reveal that yet or not so that please be excited for that nice. justin what, what apple arcade game are you playing right now well i'm in black friday mode now so Ooh, i'm black working. friday justin i'm working most <laughs> evenings well you seem like you're in a pretty good mood for being black friday justin right now yeah give it a week okay how much of those five it's the pound grimace that hides it all yeah <laughs> how much of those five pound bags of gummies this year yeah <laughs> i don't know that's a good question we'll make sure we'll, we'll put up a shopping post on those I, Damon never says that's a good question not, when we ask him 20 questions. <laughs> not the ones that uh, that make you poop like crazy. The normal ones. Yeah. Normal. Well, that's good. Yeah. All right. On that note, that it is all. It just depends on how many five-pound bags you eat is really what's going on. <laughs> that there. is all the scoops that we have here this week. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Tina. Thank you. My name one. is Damon. This is IGN Games. And we're out. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I 
wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.